It is so good to see everyone. Yeah, it's good to see the uh, seats uh, filling up, and uh, we are here to worship him. Hey, I, uh, when I was uh, out at uh, Starbucks the other day, uh, they say, hey, are you the pastor at Church on the Rock? I'm going, wow, yeah, like uh, I'm receiving high notoriety. They said, no, no, not you. It's, it's somebody, uh, one of my best friends said that uh, they, uh, they hang out in the college group. I go, wow, that's really cool. And she said, it's an amazing church. And so uh, the barista said, I think I'm going to come and check it out. So I just think it's awesome that our college people are going out and uh, just being proud of what God is doing here. Thank you so much for spreading some of the good news there. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be uh, starting a whole new series. And I believe this new series, if we follow through on the spiritual exercises that we talk about, will revitalize your spiritual walk. Just breathe new life into that. And if that is what you would, would just long for, I, I, I'd hope that you can take the journey with us over the next four weeks and say, I'm here for the ride. I'm going to take in all these spiritual exercises. I've been trying this one all week. And can I just say, it is tremendously helpful for me. So let's pray in that uh, God would help us uh, gain from his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for your amazing love for us. That's just poured out, poured out, poured out. And Lord, sometimes uh, in the hustle of life, we don't slow down and notice the holy around us. So, Father, thank you for leading and uh, helping us uh, figure out what, uh, what you want us to do over these next four weeks as a church. And I pray you'll help us to dig in to understanding holiness over the hustle of life and help us come out of this changed. Please, Father, you're going to have to be the one that speaks. I cannot. So I invite you, our great teacher, Holy Spirit, come and teach us all in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm not sure about you. I'm tired. <laughs> I've been tired for a long time. How about you? Like, I, I just hang out with people. So how you doing? And those who are honest saying, I'm tired. <laughs> and I'm thinking, have we all just run a marathon? Have we all just like, yeah, I work out on the gym all the time, and that's why I'm so exhausted. <laughs> no, it isn't, is it? At least you can tell I haven't run a marathon like ever. The thing is, it's all about this mental, this mental exhaustion, this exhaustion of our souls. I'm trying to understand it, so I've been reading various articles about it. And uh, there's this one take by a psychologist. He said, there's this thing called cultural fatigue. And, and just imagine this. You've just moved to a different country. Let's say you moved down to Columbia, South America. I've been there, so, so I get the idea. And it's exciting at first because you're there, and the nightlife is amazing. And they're playing soccer or football, as the, uh, as the rest of the world calls it, uh, in, out in the middle of the night until midnight, till 1 o'clock in the morning. And there's music playing. And there's an excitement being in a different culture. Except... You, you go and say, I, I just want some normalcy, and you look around, you can't find it. And, and finally, the nightlife isn't all that exciting, and the music at midnight is really loud, and you wish they would turn it down, and finally you just say, I don't like this place anymore. Get me out of here. But you move down there, 
And now you just withdraw from everything because there is too much change. Sociologists, psychologists call this a cultural fatigue. When there's change all around us, it might be exciting at first, but after a while, it just exhausts our soul. And if you look at any stress charts, we know that basically change brings stress. And so this is what the article says. Change leads to stress. Continual stress leads to exhaustion. And guess what we've been through? We've been immersed in change again and again and again. But you, we all know it's not just about the whole COVID thing that we're, we're coming out of. It is also just our culture. Before COVID ever began, <laughs> do you remember? <laughs> like, isn't that funny? Just, do you remember two years ago when, when it wasn't a thing? Even then, the whole idea of depression was on an exponential curve. It was going up like crazy. And the, uh, the, the, the world was trying to figure out why is this happening. And, and the best everybody could sort out was it related almost all to social media. That at, uh, at the coffee shops, at the grocery store, everybody was talking about the news. Everybody was talking about something that you need to pay attention to. You need to be concerned over. And so we're concerned over it. And we're angry over it. Or we're upset about it. But there's no rest because, oh, that one was done. And then the next day, something else. And we're supposed to be concerned and angry. And we're connected to this world all over the place. And we feel bad if we unplug and withdraw. And we don't talk about it because we are Christians. Christians should be concerned about these things. We should have, have deep concern about it. But yet we're so powerless to do anything about it. So connected to the world and we so can't do anything about it. We end up angry, angry, powerless, and finally exhausted. So as this series starts, holy over hustle, I want us to slow down. Unplug, even just for this hour. <laughs> Breathe. And take a moment to say, I'm going to get rid of hustle in my world. And I'm going to choose holy over that. The first place, the, this first message, is sort of a, a baseline that we're going to build off of. These messages sort of uh, like layer on top of each other. And so this is what we're going to start with. We're going to start with the hustle in our head. There is a hustle in our head. How do we get rid of the hustle in our head? I think it all begins with what we were created for. I remember as a university student, I, I had a summer quarter and I was up, at, uh, up in Wisconsin on the, the shore of uh, Lake Superior. They threw, threw us out there for three days with nothing to eat, a cup, a Bible, and a blanket. That's it, for three days. It was awesome. It was awesome. As an introvert, I loved it. Extroverts, I'm sure that they were talking to rocks. Anyway, so it, the, the lake is so cold, you could dip out of the lake and just drink it and, and realize that most of the bugs were, were killed. It was, uh, it was just an amazing time. And I, I'm not sure if it was because I was reading mystics, but I had my Bible with me. I'd be reading all the time. And it just dawned on me, it dawned on me, and I have a staff that, that I actually carved, and I still have it. And the staff says this, God is to be loved. And I discovered something that, that time that God wants to be loved. He desires to be loved. He created us for love. He created us for this relationship. So I was created to be with God. Down in your DNA, down in your soul, the reason why you were created was to be with God. This is, you are not a random group of atoms. You are designed specifically 
for a relationship with God. Isn't that weird? Every atheist, they don't know it. But the very person that they're arguing against, they were designed to be with. Everybody who doesn't even care about God, they were designed to be with God. And that emptiness in their soul, we've talked about this before, just cries out for something they don't know. But the vacuum is God-shaped. And so now we step into this relationship with God. Those of us who have said yes to God, that, that have, uh, have, have become Christians, who have given their lives to God. <clears throat> and when that has happened, the barriers are torn down. But now there's a potential. There's a potential to walk with God. It doesn't happen automatically. It's something that now all the barriers gone, now we have to actually walk through it. Actually walk through it. And let's get into some scripture there's so many pieces of scripture I could talk about, but God really led me to this one. And through the series, we're going to camp on John 14 a bit. John 14, I'm going to read verse 23, and I'm going to skip ahead verse uh, 26 and 27. And, and this, this, at the end, uh, Jesus is telling his disciples he is about to go off the planet, uh, and he's trying to give them some comfort. And he's trying to, to define what it's all about, and this is what he says. John 14, 23, and Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. And you go, wow, hold, hold on, is, is he just worried about us working more and more and more? If you remember what God, uh, Jesus asks us to do, he asks us to believe, believe in me, believe in me, believe in me. So all those who, who do, uh, all, all who love me will do what I say, that is, believe in me. My father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. You think at this point, I remember when I became a Christian as a, as a little kid, six-year-old. You know why I became a Christian? <laughs> so I could go to heaven. Come on, it's a deal, right? Like, count me into heaven. That's what I thought it was all about. And yet Jesus sort of redefines it. He said, you know what it's all about? It's all about God the Father loving you. Not only is it all about God the Father loving. Guess what? He wants to come and make his home with you. Heaven's a, a, a sideline thing. You know, living forever, that's nice. That's going to happen. But the big thing is Heavenly Father living with each of them. And then he drills down and, and tells what that is in beautiful Trinitarian form. The, the Father and the Holy Spirit, two different pe persons, but the same God. And when, when the Father said the, sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I've told you. I'm leaving you with a gift. It's interesting at Peter's, Peter's sermon in, uh, in Acts at Pentecost, he said, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, so this is tied. This is tied to it. You know, guess what? You're going to get the Holy Spirit and you're going to receive a gift. You hear what the gift is. <clears throat> I want you to look up the screen and, and just read that even quietly to yourself. I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. And I know those of you, uh, of us who are, who are Christians, you're going, okay, well, where is that gift? <laughs> you know, I, 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 you know I, I'm in. I, I became a Christian. I want the gift. Remember we're saying, once you become a Christian, the barriers are turn, torn down. And now there's a potential of walking with God. We're designed to be at home with God. And when we're at home with God, he gives us 
the gift, peace of mind and heart. So faith is a glorious opportunity to walk with God. And then there's all the side benefits of heaven where we're actually seeing face to face. Our world can be falling apart, but now we're with Jesus and he gives us peace of mind and heart. So how do we take advantage of this potential? The doors are open. How do we do this? How do we choose holy over hustle? It, it starts with something that sounds mushy. It sounds really mushy. It's belief. Isn't that great? It's about belief. And you go, okay, I get it. I, get it. I need to believe that Jesus died and rose again to become a Christian. Yeah, yeah, you do. You need to get, to get that to get in the family of God. But guess what? You need that belief to actually walk with God. And this is the base that we're going to start this whole series on. What do we really believe? What do we really believe? It all starts with belief. But I think a lot of us, don't realize that we're led so much by our emotions. Uh, catch how many conversations you have people say, well, I, I feel, okay, I feel, right? How, catch how many times you say, I feel this week. Don't count it. You're not going to have enough, uh, uh, you know, fingers on, on both hands in one day. I, I feel like, because our whole culture, we're all about feeling, as, as one, uh, one uh, theologian said, this is, this is the existential world uh, par excellence. We count the number of times we just say, I feel. But as Dr. Alicia Britt Cole says, attitudes, emotions, and behaviors are followers. Emotions are, are followers and not the leaders. So what leads our emotions? Many things. But one of the things is our beliefs lead our heart. Our beliefs lead our heart. Imagine this, you're walking down a street. You're walking down a dark street. And, okay, imagine how afraid you feel, all right? Imagine how you, it all depends how, how much you, th you think you're good, right? All right, for some people, you're going, you're walking down a dark street, and you go, oh my goodness, why am I out here? I shouldn't have parked so far. I have fear, all right? Okay, you're walking down, but now switch the scenario. You're walking down the same dark street, but there's two big friends that are walking with you, and you believe you're perfectly safe because of your belief it takes care of your fear. Our beliefs lead our hearts. Our beliefs lead our hearts. And because of that, what we truly believe about God really matters. I've been enjoying a book called The Sl Sacred Slow. I'm going to be quoting from this through this series. In fact, we, we have some on sale over there. I wish I had enough. I could just give them away. We don't. <laughs> and so if you want to purchase one, you're welcome to do that. And uh, I'll tell you how to do that later. But I've been enjoying this book. And, and a few things that she said in there. She said, when I fear the future, what does it really reveal about my working concept of God? Let me say that again. When I fear the future, oh God, oh God, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? What are you also saying you believe about God? You believe that God doesn't really love you, that God isn't there in the future with you. He doesn't walk with you. You, you. you do not believe a lot of things because of the fear of the future. When we self-lead instead of wait, I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to do this. What do we believe about God speaking and his goodness? Well, it certainly doesn't speak. And if you did say something, it's not going to turn out good anyway. Because that's what you really believe. And so you live in anxiety and fear. And you go ahead of God because of what you believe. When we've refused to forgive ourselves, 
What does that really reveal about our theology about Christ's death and resurrection? God, Jesus got rid of everybody's sins on the cross except mine, right? Except the time I messed up. He's still holding that one against me. (laughs) What we truly believe about God matters. And so, we just need to establish a baseline of a few beliefs that are going to help us in this whole journey of choosing slow, holy, over hustle. Number one, what our beliefs lay at the core of our relationship with God. This is a no-brainer, okay? Our relationship with God is this. Number one, God loves me. Number one, God loves me. Nothing is more clear in the Bible. It's a deep commitment of love. It's deeper than sentimentalism. In fact, he uses a word that's called loyal love, that he will be loyal through everything. And you look at the greats of the Bible, how they messed up again and again and again. They did horrible things, but God stuck with them and was loyal to them that loyal love. In Romans 5, it goes in and explains this. Romans 5, 8, uh, 5, 5 to 8 says this, when we were utterly helpless, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for sinners, which is all of us, including me. We have all stepped out of God's will. And, and guess what? God, God sent his son, his only son, to die for us when we were being obnoxious to him, when we were like being, making him ill, we were doing all that stuff and yet instead of turning his back, he loved us so much, he died for us. Now, most people would be willing to die, for, not, now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though some might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But... God showed his great love for us. It's not just that he's love and he does these things. He loved us. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we are still sinners. You got to get that one in your soul, people. I have to get that one in my soul. I can't believe the number of times through a week I catch myself doubting whether God truly loves me. As the author of the Sacred Slow says this, we cannot trust God in full if we believe he only loves us in part. We cannot trust God in full if we, only, if we believe he only loves us in part. So the first bedrock belief of our relationship is this, God, you love me. And you have to believe that. And I'm going to show you in a while, sometimes we say we believe things, but we don't really believe it. So can we just all say that together? God, you love me, right? One, two, three. God, you love me. Let's do it again. Let's do it again because you've got to really believe it, all right? All right? Focus on him and tell him this. Ready? One, two, three. God, you love me. God, you love me. Not only this, but we're going to bring this up through the whole series that God is here with me. In every season, in every moment, God is in the room. On your worst days when you think God has left me, and in and, and the, and the days where it seems like everything is scattered and the kids are swinging from the lights, and you go, God, where are you? He is there with you too. He is there with He is there with me. He is there with me. Emmanuel, God, is more than a song. It's more than a feeling of his presence. It's just true. He is here. He is here right now. Isn't that wild? He is here in a gym with metal back chairs that are uncomfortable. He is here with me. As, uh, 
as the author of the book I'm, I'm reading, it says this, we need to revoke the authority we've given to our feelings to tell us whether or not God is in the room. Sometimes we feel him. Sometimes we don't. And that's okay. But whether you feel him or not, God is here. God is here. So where do you see him? Where do you see him? Is he close to you? Or do you think he's absent somehow? Is God's hand on your shoulder? Is God close? Do you see the love in his heart for you? Remember, that was our last belief. God, you love me. And you're here with me. Can you start to see how our beliefs affect our hearts? God, you love me. You're here with me. Can we just all say that again? I, just, I, I, I love that when, when I hear your voices. And let's just not rattle it off as if it's some kind of liturgy. Let's, let's say that to God. Okay, here we go. One, two, three. God, you love me. You are here with me. Use your imagination. Where is he? Where is he in relation to you? Let's say it again. Let's go. God, you love me. You are here with me. Let me give you one more thing that's true in the Bible. God's love is secure. We might be able to run from him, but he will not run from us. I love Romans 8, the last of, of Romans 8. It's, it's, it's like he runs out of things to talk about, all right? So listen to this. He says, Romans 8, 38 to 39. I am convinced. Isn't that awesome? When you hear somebody that's walked with God for for so many years, and he says, I am convinced, this is not like a side thing, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Nothing. Nothing can separate you from God's love. You know, you know the thing you feel most guilty about? That will not separate you from God's love. You know how you haven't felt him for so long? That will not separate you from God's love. It's just a fact that his love is secure. That's just a fact that he is your father and he is not going to let his children go. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life. And I know there's been some deaths in the family here at Church on the Rock. And, 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 and it takes a breath away and, and you hope. But guess what? Neither death nor life is going to separate us from God's love. Neither angels nor demons. Neither our fears for today. You have fears for today? About the things that aren't coming true. About your work. About your finances. Whatever it is. Neither our fears today. That God still loves you. And he is secure. That love is secure. Nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of all hell can separate us from God's love. Isn't that awesome? God's just bigger. He's better. And his love is more secure than that. <laughs> no power in the sky above the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord who died for us. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5. In the context of money and worrying about money and, and do we have enough money for? It's interesting. It just... In the middle of money talk, it stops, and this is what it says. God says, I will never, never fail you. <laughs> Do you ever wonder that? When, when, you know, 
man, the gas, you have to have a small mortgage to, to drive anywhere. I'll never fail you. I will never abandon you. That's in the midst of things that we worry about most. And then for those of us who just feel that you failed God too many times, you haven't talked to him for months, maybe years. Listen to what he says. If we are unfaithful, 2 Timothy 2.13. If we're unfaithful, you're just completely unfaithful as a Christian. He remains faithful. for We cannot deny who he is. And so, God, you love me. You are here with me, and you'll never leave me. If that, doesn't, if that doesn't do something for you, I'm not sure what's the matter with you right now, okay? God, you love me. You are here with me. You will never leave me. Oh, my goodness. Let that get into your soul because those are true things. Aren't they true things? We just got to believe them, right? Just got to believe them. God, you love me. You are here with me. You'll never leave me. You'll never leave me. But the problem is there's opposite beliefs and thoughts that come into our, our brains. And we let them live there for a while. Um, as, uh, as one author was, was saying, she was saying she lived in a, an apartment downtown. And her back alley was a place people would, would shoot up drugs, illegal drugs, and, and she said it was just, it was sickening to see them putting poison, like to, to see a needle go into somebody's arm and just shooting poison into their system. And made her ill to think, what, what happened to these dear people for that to happen? And then she, as she backed away from the window, she realizes that someday, and sometimes she actually takes a syringe and puts poison into her mind and lets it stay there. And, and, and even though she has the potential, the power of the Holy Spirit to battle that, she chooses not to, and she chooses to hang on to the poison that is in her mind. Here's one of our favorite verses. I know we talk about this here at Church on the Rock a lot. It's Romans 8, 5 to 6. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. It's the poison we shoot into our very minds. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Guess what? You can do that. You can choose because the potential there. We have the Holy Spirit. He will go and guide your thoughts, but it's only potential, be, but we have to act on it. But those who think about those things please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. You're shooting poison into your brain, but letting the Spirit control our mind, your mind leads to life and peace. There's that word again. Do we want peace? I want it. I, like, sign me up. Like, what do I have to do to get this again? Because I, I need it. I need peace. So, hold, hold, okay. So I, I got to have my mind stayed on what the Spirit says. And so, as one writer says, cultivating a moment-by-moment -moment intimacy with God moves from being nice to being necessary in our lives. So how do we spiritually detox our minds? Well, here we come to the one spiritual practice I've been practicing this week. And can I tell you, I, I stumble sometimes in it, but when I practice it, it's beautiful. It's awesome. Okay? So I just say, you know, I experiment with this stuff before I come up here and talk to you guys about it. All right? How do we spiritually detox our minds? 
How do we spiritually detox our minds? I, we do that by practicing the truth, the truth, the things that are true in God's word, things that are true in God's word. And, and we're going to start with this, to trust him, to trust him. So we believe that God loves me. God loves me, right? God loves me, right? God loves me. Can we all just say that? God loves me. All right, all right. I'm going to tell you another truth. He hears every prayer. He hears every prayer, but he doesn't answer every prayer. Not the way you want it, but he hears every prayer. Do you believe that's true? It's in the Bible. He hears every prayer. All right? Can we just say that? He hears every prayer? All right. We, he loves us. He hears every prayer. And if that's the case, then, then, then this verse is awesome. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. There's three verses here. And if you're memorizing verses and you're in a contest and you want to get more than the other person, which I'm in all the time, it's, you get three verses for one phrase. It's awesome. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all things, in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What's God's will for me? At this moment, at this time, you have to rejoice. You have to pray continually and give thanks. These are all choices, all choices involving prayer. Attending to God's love is no blissful follow up, fallout of sensationalism, but cultivated fruit of intentionality. It's a spiritual exercise based in the truth of God, that God loves you and hears every prayer. So here we go. Let me try and uh, explain this to you. I, you know, every time I, I, I get pretty excited, I, I get this beautiful high-tech visual age, you know. Should be on the screen. But I am so old school, I'm not <laughs> no way, all right? Here we go, here we go. Uh, we all have a circle of concern. The circle of concern is big. Those are all the things we're thinking about, the news stories, all the things of your family, all the things that are coming up in the future, your finances, that's all concern. And then there's a circle of responsibility. Those are some things you can actually do about, all right? Those are some things you actually, I need more money. Well, have you tried to get a job? Okay, that would, be, that would be something that you could try, all right? That would be in the whole circle of responsibility, a uh, circle of concern, okay? Here we go. Now, there's some things that we just don't want to do, although they're our responsibility, right? Come on. Like, I, that's me, right? I go, oh, I have, to, I have to make this phone call. There's about three phone calls I still have to make. Ah, uh, okay? <laughs> the Bible calls that fear. All right, fear. I just, I, I don't know what's going to happen. That's, that's going to be hard. So that, that's, that's a fear. And that my circle of responsibility is something I can do about. But guess what? There's a lot of things I'm concerned about that I can't do anything about. Can, can, I, can I widen your circle of concern? There's a war going on, right? There's a war going on. And... And so part of you goes, well, we shouldn't think about it. We're Christians. Shouldn't we by, like, be concerned about it? Yes, we should be concerned about it. But, but there's not a lot we can do about it. There's not just that war, by the way. I, I hear commentators, and they're saying, well, why are we concerned about the war in Ethiopia? It's been going on for uh, over a year. And not only that, like, there's hundreds thousand people dead. Well, gosh, I should be concerned about that. But just even saying that, you may, oh, Dave, Dave, you're just pushing it off. That's evil. That doesn't sound like you're a good Christian. Well, what about the people who are close to me? 
Like, they're making decisions. Some of them I like, some of them I don't like. Can I do something about it? It's not my decision to make. Okay, you know, you know, you know what this space is between responsibility and concern? You know what that's called? The Bible has a name for it. It's called worry. Now, Bible scholars, Bible scholars, there is a Bible verse that tells us what to do with worry. All right? There's a bunch of them, but there's one. When I start to quote it, you're going to know it. You're going to go, oh, yeah, that Bible verse, right? But, but we're going to actually do it, all right? We're actually going to do it. Okay, here's the Bible verse. Okay, don't be anxious about anything, but what's the next word? Pray. <laughs> don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. Don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. Don't be anxious about everything, but pray about anything. Don't worry about anything, but actually pray about something. And so, so God's answer to this is, is prayer. By the way, the answer to fear is I am with you, right? I'll help you. I am with you. And so... For us to get some peace of mind, the Bible tells us to pray continually, to pray continually, to pray continually. And here's the exercise I want us all to try this week. I love us all to do. Here it is. Don't let your mind think about anything you haven't prayed for. Don't let your mind think about anything. Don't let your mind think about anything you haven't prayed for. Don't let your mind think about anything you've prayed for. If you want to, you can take a screenshot of that. Thank you. I see somebody with their phone out taking a picture of it. That's good because you might actually be doing it. All right, here we go. Don't let your mind think about anything you haven't prayed for. This is what it sounds like. I'm driving along. I'm listening to news. There's more bombing in Ukraine. Ah, that's horrible. Like, they shouldn't be doing this. Somebody, hold on. I'm not going to let my mind think about anything I'm not praying about. Oh, God, be there. Help my brothers and sisters. Heavenly Father, be with the church. Help them to rise up. And God, just, uh, yeah, help them to be able to help their neighbors. God, give the godly Russians a better leader. Uh, give them something that they can turn their, and, and I know what some of you are thinking. Bah, that's just prayer. That's like, that doesn't count. You know what you're showing me? What you believe about God? Do you believe God loves you? Do you believe he hears every prayer? That's good. And, and the beautiful thing about prayer, prayer is, is two-way, isn't it? Because in some of our prayers, God might tap you on the shoulder and say, I actually want you to do something. I want you to give to this cause or something. Okay, God, I can do that. He'll move something from your circle of concern and put it into your responsibility. But that's through prayer. And so here's the deal. Okay, well, hold on. I should be thinking about other issues in this world. Oh, God, help this whole area. Help the Ethiopians to be able to, the Christian church is alive there. And just like, I, I pray that the Christian church will rise up and, 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 and speak truth. And I pray for peace there. I pray for peace. I'm not got the job I want. Oh, man. Stupid job. I wish I had a better one. Oh, God. Hold on, hold on. I can't let my brain think about anything I'm not praying about. God, could you get me a better job? <laughs> Can you just help me either get a better job or to be able to, to find my place where I'm at? 
God, be in that. Help me. Get, and then you know what? You, you, you drive or walk for about another five minutes. It comes back, doesn't it? <laughs> it's boomerang stuff, right? And guess what? It gives you another opportunity to pray for it. Isn't that great? Oh, my kids. Oh, I just, oh, man. I just, they can't get sick. They can't get sick. Oh, and then just what a mess. It, hold on, hold on. I'm not going to let my brain think about anything I'm not praying about. God, please protect them. Protect their little lives. Protect their hearts. Please protect them, God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God. God, is there anything I need to do for that? No, I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to trust in you. Why? Because I believe that God loves me. I believe he hears every prayer. And that belief should actually take some anxiety off us. And the, the peace that passes understanding should come into our hearts and lives. I've been practicing this week. It's been awesome. Guess what? A lot of things have been prayed for. <laughs> Guess what? A lot of you have been prayed for. Oh, this person and this family is going through this horrible time. And I can't imagine. Hold on. No, I'm praying for that one. <laughs> I'm going to pray for that one right now. What am I, what's going to happen with the future of, whoa, okay, God, I give you the future of that. God, be in that. Do you need me to do anything for that, God? Do I need to actually act in this? Does that need to come from concern to responsibility? Not right now. Okay, God, thank you. But tell me, lead me. And guess what it's done for me? Okay, can I just tell you what it's done? It's been awesome. It's been awesome to unload the, the weight of the world that I did not need to carry as a side benefit. I get to walk with my God, who's intimate and close, because I'm living out true beliefs. So our one takeaway this, this week is this, interrupt your anxiety <clears throat> with prayer. <laughs> interrupt anxiety with prayer. Just interrupt it so I'm not going to be anxious. I'm going to actually pray about this. I'm going to ask our worship team to come on up. We're going to spend some time to slow down and worship. And as you're worshiping, other thoughts will come into your mind. You know what you do with them, right? Come on. What do you do? Yeah, you, you, interact, you interrupt your anxiety with prayer. I want you to pray about it. So there should be all kinds of prayer going up. And, and we, we're doing communion a little differently. Here's how we're going to do communion. If you uh, feel ready to take communion, if you're a believer, you're welcome to go back to the table. I pushed it back. There's going to be one of our vision team people there. Those, there's our elders. And uh, they'll ask you to sit on a seat, sit on a chair. I want you to sit down, and, and they'll just say, how can I pray for you? That's what this, keep it short, keep it a word, keep it a, a sentence. How can I pray for you? And they will pray for you. And then you can take the, your cup and, and go back to your seat and, and, and enjoy communion. But we're going to slow down at the table. And we're going to pray as a community for each other. So got that? If you want to take communion, go back there. There's going to be a vision team standing on either side of the table. And they're going to say, how can I pray for you? And then you just tell them real short. They'll pray for you. And then you take your cup and can go back to the seat or anywhere. And sit down and enjoy your supper with God. So let's slow down from the hustle. Let's enjoy the holiness of his presence. Heavenly Father, you are good. You are so very good. Forgive us for not believing in the things that are clear in your holy word.
we want to live out true things. And so, God, we know that you love us and, and that you're here right now. That you will not leave us or forsake us. You hear every prayer. And Lord, help us, give us the strength and energy to live out this spiritual exercise in Jesus' name. Amen. If some of you are interested in getting a copy of the book, you're welcome to do that. You can use the Interact machine. Put it in an envelope and put book on there just so we know uh, what has been taken there. Enjoy. Let's worship him. Let's worship him.